this week we're talking about what you should invest in, the camera that you should buy, and where your, your dollar should go. Welcome to the Video Simplified Podcast, where I help you simplify the video creation process to help you reach wider and connect deeper with the people that need you the most. From learning to use your camera to simplifying video strategy to help you grow your brand and share your vision using video. So let's jump right into today's episode. I like that song. <laughs> that is my jam. It's like we rebranded the podcast intro and all of that. I love it. I don't know how y'all feel about it, but I love it. So when it comes to creating content, when it comes to building your business and your brand using video, the gear, the tools that we use are super duper important. If you're new here or you're listening to the audio version of this podcast that produces on or publishes on Monday, 5 a.m. Central Standard Time, then you may be new here, but regardless, my name is Diana Gladney, your hostess, the mostest. Super pumped to be here and excited to be talking about cameras, my favorite thing. We are in the season of like, if you are a camera nerd, tech nerd, Techtober, it drives us wild. Our, our poor bank accounts, God bless them, because, you know, it's just hard out here in these streets. All right. It's hard out here in these streets when <laughs> you got all this stuff coming out. And if you are looking to invest beyond your basic entry-level cameras you've been creating for a while, and now you're looking to get into your forever camera or close to it, that range of cameras, like it's going to put you in the really over a thousand dollars for sure. $1,500, two grand, 2,500, three grand, 3,500. And if you're going for the ultimate bees, knees, honeycomb hall of fame, you're looking at something like the Sony A1 or the Nikon Z9 even, stuff like that. But we ain't going all that way down the yellow brick road. We're not going there, all right? We're going to stay within the $2,000 to $2,500 range because as a business expense, that is doable, but not without really thinking about it and not without knowing for a fact this is a wise investment. Five, six, seven hundred dollars for entry-level cameras to get you going, get you started. It's enough to say, okay, we can do that. Like it, if it don't work out, it's fine, whatever. But two, twenty-five hundred, yeah, this it's kind of like let's let's watch a few more YouTube videos before we pull the trigger on that. Got a few people in the uh, uh, comments. Good to see you, Anna. Good to see you. Glad that you are here saying the audio. You should be able to hear me okay. Saying, <laughs> Kathy Walter, good to see you. Saying hello, not buying new. Need to master my ZVE10. Okay, Anna, you saying, okay, now you're good. I'm glad to see you, Anna. So glad to see you. You're wonderful. So when it comes to investing in the gear that you want to get, yes, I get what you're saying, Principal Walker, about investing and getting used to what you have. This is not a conversation for everybody, for sure. This is not something where... You're just constantly buying whatever the latest and greatest comes out. Now, if you do, that's between you and your maker. Okay, that's between you and the Lord on high. But as a content reviewer, as an educator, I will have more gear than what I actually need. But what I truly use is a very minimalist setup, meaning I'm not taking these 60, 50 pound bags of gear when I go to a park or something to record a clip or to do some videos or get B-roll or I'm testing something. I'm not about that out here in these streets. I don't know if y'all know, but my stature does not exceed 5'5". Five five. Therefore, with said height deficiency, 
I'm short. I'm not carrying no Peter McCormick, a.k.a. Peter McKinnon backpack that's you can feel to the no, because the backpack is about as big as I am. I don't want to do that. OK, so these camera gears, as you get to buy camera lenses and the like, it starts to add up. The weight starts to add up now. Two pounds, two and a half pounds, three pounds worth of gear doesn't seem like that much when you're looking at the camera and then you look at the lens, maybe one or two lenses or something like that. It doesn't seem like that much, but you keep adding on stuff and bring it. Well, I'm bringing this as a backup. You very easily get close to that 30, 35, 40 pound bags of just legit camera equipment. From a content creating entrepreneur's perspective is you're one of two people when you're looking at now the cameras I'm about to get into. You're one of two people. Either you plan to do video and learn video yourself. You have no intentions on hiring a videographer to come and shoot the videos for you. Or you are the second type of content creating entrepreneur where you may start off recording your own stuff, but eventually you have the goal of bringing somebody on so that you don't have to do that. You may already have an editor and that's fine. But if you don't, then you're looking to get one hashtag, go to building a team live. If you want to get the course that I created on how to hire a video editor, as well as a video, a virtual assistant to be able to help you in your business, that course is available, but it's two types of people. Now you may invest in the gear, but investing right and investing wisely is extremely, extremely important. So I want to cover a couple cameras that I usually don't get any love, give any love to because it's a couple priorities when you're creating content of like what is reliable. That's like my number one thing is, is it reliable as far as performance wise and autofocus? And is it going to create any kind of limitations that I need to account for? We all know time is money. When you get into entrepreneurship, content creation, everybody's always questioning, do I have the time and is it going to yield a return monetarily? If the answer is no, then people aren't that interested in going exceeding probably beyond something like the ZV-10, which is a fantastic camera, which I have no intentions of stopping to use, even though I do plan to pick up the Sony FX30. But what I find it most interesting and kind of frustrating in the content creation space that I see that you all deal with is the fact that when you go to the forums or you go to the rumor websites or you go to the comment section of a video that you thought was great or you thought was good or you're trying to still figure things out, you scroll down into the comment section and you see a barrage of negative stuff or people complaining, oh, you just a Fuji fanboy and nobody cares or this one, that's stupid. And it's like, listening to 13 year olds argue and most of the tech space is men. The most emotional creatures in the world when it comes to tech space, the men. When I went to uh, the Sony rumors website, you look in the comment section and they just arguing and bickering unnecessarily. That does not help propel the positive things that people actually need and helping to actually educate people. You can have a difference in opinion, that's fine. But sometimes that that aspect of it or people coming at videos from a biased perspective when you're looking at cameras and stuff, make it difficult to make a, make a decision. I don't care what you use. I think all cameras at this point are really great. 
And it whatever you choose is just like you have to be comfortable and confident that you're going to rely on that camera. And if it has any limitations, that you're fine with it. And that's it. Doesn't matter if your favorite creator or creators use that camera or not. You just have to feel comfortable and confident that it can do what you actually need it to do. So when it comes to specs of cameras, you can debate that all day long. But when it comes down to when I'm going to spend my money on something, is this going to work for me? So let's get into the technical stuff just so we're all on the same page of what these cameras can and cannot do. Let's go over here on to the, let me zoom this out here. Yeah. To the Fuji X-H2 was started off with something non-Sony. So this is the newest camera. Well, the FX30 is the newest, but this one is a new one. This one just was announced a couple weeks ago. You'll see some videos on it, but it's an incredible camera by Fuji. Very different than their their typical style, like the Fuji X-T3 and X-T4, where you'll see that the body design is very, it looks just like everybody else. It looks just like everybody else. If you're listening to the audio version of this later on, I'm showing pictures of the cameras and the like, so you can come over to the YouTube channel, put a link in the um, show notes for you to get access so you can come watch this site. But all of this, it has all of the things. It literally checks all the boxes for what a creator would want. The bigger battery, the microphone, the headphone port, full HDMI port, USB-C, you name it. Fuji does an excellent job when it comes to that. Um, just basic requirements that a camera should have when you go to the specs now it starts to get very very interested just the highlight thing is 40 megapixel sensor it's an APS-C all of Fuji's cameras are either medium format or APS-C most of their cameras are APS-C so it's a 40 megapixel sensor it does 8k 30 frames per second 4k 60 and it does 1080p up to 240 frames per second and it does have 10 bit in the camera seven stops, which is different than the five stops of in-body image stabilization that we usually see in most cameras. So it's really great. And a really high resolution viewfinder, 4.76 million dot OLED electronic viewfinder. If all of that sounds foreign to you, don't worry about it. It just means that it's good. It's actually great. We come down here to the specs and we take a look at the internal video capture. If you're going to be an H website, that's what you're looking for. This camera is absolutely freaking fantastic and blows nearly every camera in its category completely out the water. Now, we're not going to cover the Canon R7 and R10 because Canon kind of shot themselves in the foot with the whole lens thing of not wanting to get let third parties uh, participate in making lenses with the electronics and all of that. So we're going to put Canon off to the side until they figure their lives out. But for the Fuji Fuji X-H2, not the X-H2S, this is just the X-H2, this one just, just came out. The Blackmagic RAW in 8K, 30 frames per second, that is freaking fantastic. Almost unheard of, like, like literally unheard of in a camera sub $2,000. You can look at these specs all day long. It is absolutely incredible, higher bit rates, which means even if you did record in 1080p, it's still gonna look great, nice and crispy. The ProRes 422, 10-bit, all this extra other stuff, all the details. It doesn't do completely unlimited recording, but it does do up to 160 minutes, which is beyond what we've seen previously. So that's in the 8K, and that is 422, 10-bit. So imagine, 
We've been talking about, oh, can we get 4K60, 4K120? Fuji is over here. They've been doing a great job with the X-T3 and the X-T4 specs-wise. But there is always the concern of the reliability. What was the legit reliability when it came to these cameras? Again, no shade whatsoever to what Fuji is doing. The concern has always been, is the autofocus now reliable? And then it was like a small concern, like with certain cameras that would have the tilty screen on the backside, or if it had the fully articulating screen, like we're used to with all the other cameras now, this kind of a screen, this is what we wanted. Not the twip, tippy, flippy one, not that one. That being the case, if now caveat asterisk next to this, I am going to try this camera because I believe Fuji's done a great job with getting the autofocus there. My question is how reliable is it now? How reliable is it now? From what I've seen, it looks really, really good. Is it something I'm willing to switch from Sony to Fuji from? No, it's just not. I'm not looking to switch to any particular brand. Would I try test and review the product? Absolutely. Am I looking to switch from Sony? No, I don't care how great the camera is. That's just my personal viewpoint. But for most content creators, that is a camera that you could sit on under $2,000. Well, probably right at $2,000, depending on if you're paying tax. But for two grand, you're getting a camera that you can have for years. For years. And the cool thing about Fuji is they're constantly updating their firmware. So if the autofocus isn't quite right, which it hasn't been on most of their previous cameras, They've still been incrementally updating it, constantly trying to do a better job with it. It just hasn't been 100%. You know what I'm saying? Like if, and that's the, the real question here. When it comes to those kinds of cameras with Fuji, because when I was switching from Canon, I knew I was going to leave. My concern was it's either going to be Fuji because I know they have a focus and they do APS-C or it's going to be Sony. I didn't like the style with the buttons all on the top uh, that Fuji likes to do. That's more representative of old film cameras. I don't need none of that. I don't want any of that. The modernized body style that they're using now, based off the original Fuji X-H1, fantastic. I'm all for it. Fantastic specs. You cannot beat these. You just can't. You can't beat the specs that are what Fuji is doing right now. It's absolutely freaking fantastic. Considering all of what it can do, does it do absolutely unlimited recording? If you wanted to do 8K for some reason, there's a lot of reasons you probably would want to, but to most people, they're not even thinking about it yet. 160 minutes, usually for the most part, is sufficient for um, most people. What does it look like to get unlimited recording on a Fuji camera? I'd have to test it and see for myself. However, when it comes to those specs, it's hard to beat. Very hard to beat. Let's move over to Panasonic, the Panasonic Lumix S5. Now they dropped the price. This was a $2,000 camera right at that 1997, 1999, depending on where you look. And now it's dropped down to 1697. So even better, it's right at that price range of the brand new um, Sony FX30 that was just recently announced. And you're looking at 24 megapixel sensor. This is one of Panasonic's full frame cameras. So you go from APS-C to full frame for some people that is important to them for others, not so much. It has the V-Log, which is similar to anybody else. It's kind of like log profile. Dual native ISO, which we've talked about on the Fuji, uh, not Fuji, but the Sony FX30. 
4K 60, 10-bit internal recording, 2.36 million dot um, EVF and all of that. So it's great. Freaking fantastic. We go down to, to specs now where Panasonic wins every single time stabilization. They have some of the best stabilization, save Olympus, but Olympus, we don't know what's happening with them. They're on the prayer list. Okay. Their names is in the prayer request box at church, but looking at again, 422, 10-bit, 4K, uh, 60, 4K 60, yeah, 10-bit. So all this, all these cameras are available already right now. You can buy them. This camera, however, what we usually would see with Panasonic, they've been doing it for years where you can get unlimited recording, but now we're seeing like up to 30 minutes of 4K, 24, 30, and all of that in 10-bit, up to 30 minutes, 4K, 60. We used to see this kind of stuff with the limitations on the recordings we used to see that a lot with fuji but everybody's kind of inching towards getting fully unlimited recording but with this lumix x5 they're constantly updating it making it better improving the autofocus but again this is one of the places where panasonic suffers the most autofocus and they have for years where the autofocus absolutely is atrocious in the sense of reliability if you don't know what the autofocus of your camera is going to do, then do it matter? You know what I'm saying? Like, do it matter? If you don't know what the autofocus is going to do, it's it's hard for, to say, like, a camera with all these amazing specs like the Fuji, like the Panasonic have. Again, it depends on your use case. What's your use case for what you're doing? If you're sitting like this, which when I switched to Panasonic some years back, completely all Panasonic, their autofocus was very questionable. So every time you're getting ready to set up and do a video, you had to think about how should I handle the autofocus in this situation? What should I do? Now it's the same kind of aspect with some of the Fuji cameras and some of the Panasonic cameras where it's like, well, it doesn't do great when you d dial it down to negative three in the autofocus, then you plus five. And it's like, I don't want to play with my personal opinion. I don't want to play and try to figure out what is the best speed for the autofocus and what mode it works better in and what frame rate it works better in. I've watched a tremendous amount of videos when these cameras get released and continuing on thereafter, just to constantly just stay up with what's going on in the market. And all I personally keep hearing is a bunch of excuses of stuff that you little tweaks and quirks that you have to do or deal with because your camera can't. I think cameras at this point for the price that they're commanding at a $2,000 price tag should be great out of the box. You shouldn't have to do a whole bunch. Now at 8K and at 4K 60 of what these two cameras are doing under $2,000, a steal in regards to what they are doing in the specs. It just only becomes questionable when it comes to the reliability of these cameras. That's my personal opinion for Per content creating entrepreneurs, you're going up to do a talk. These are the kind of scenarios of where it's like, can I rely on the autofocus and the camera to do its job? Or do I have to question if it's going to work or not? So when you go on stage and say you're a public speaker, like I am, you're, you know, getting sent out to do these uh, events and these trainings, you're getting hired to do all these different aspects and you want to capture the person that's bringing you on, the person that's introducing you, and you have your camera set up at, you know, wide enough or what have you to catch you walking on stage saying hello and then capture you maybe walking between a certain point 
point A, point B, whatever. So you stay, you stay within the frame of your camera or you got somebody doing a follow focus for you, which is fine. How well is your camera going to keep handling this scenario? What I find and I see most of the test and stuff that makes, again, it questionable to me, you have nothing behind you. You have no people behind you. Maybe you got some trees or some leaves, but you don't really have a bunch of activity behind you. You don't have people getting up, walking past the camera like you normally would, like at a convention or at an event that, it, you know what I'm saying? Like if you're, when I was out in the hall at social media examiner, social media marketing world with social media examiner, and I'm sitting there doing Q and A after the talk and I have a, just different people coming up in a nice little group around me of people asking questions. Now I know for a fact that when the Sony camera is locked on me, it's locked on me. Or if it's locked on the two of us, it's locked on the two of us. There's no amount of somebody walking behind us where it's going to switch. And these are the scenarios where I question how reliable are these cameras in certain scenarios, not the blank rooms where somebody's walking forward and behind and it's sticking to it, but in the really serious and questionable scenarios where it's hard to see if this camera is going to keep up or not. That's why I really honestly only suggest and really only stick with Sony and Canon when it comes to reliability, because where most creators start off from is them by themselves creating content, period. Specs can be amazing all day long, and none of that matters if that grandiose AK is out of focus or if in the middle of the talk it goes from you to the back of the wall and for whatever reason it just stays there. Because if you've ever done a presentation where on the sides of you, you have the projectors or whatever the screens are, it could be TVs, where you have images or you're showing video of people or whatever, can the camera handle that? In my experience, it's like these cameras are freaking fantastic for what they offer and probably for 80 to 90% of what people are going to do. It's probably worth it. It's probably absolutely worth it for what they offer. However, in the moments where it's crucial and you don't have nobody to help you and you don't get a do-over. Most people are thinking when they're recording these videos and stuff, most people kind of look at this from the perspective of, well, you can just do another take. Well, you can just have them rewalk. If it's a wedding or something, the bride ain't finna rewalk down the aisle. If you missed it, you missed it. If you're doing a talk and you walk up on stage and you say, oh, hold on, y'all, we kind of went out of focus. Retake, hold on, let me reset. Yeah, nobody got time for that. Literally, you have no time for it. And most entrepreneurs and content creators that are getting into this for some aspect of their business, you're on a time schedule. You're looking at what are the times that I have for myself? What are the times that I have for my family? What are the times I have for any nonprofit or faith work that you're doing? What are the times that I have for uh, me in the business? What are the times that I have? Like you're, you're on a schedule. So the time that you sit down to create content, it only takes one good time one good time to sit down, record a video and find out that it was focused on freaking Jim Rohn or somebody that's on the cover of a book sitting on the bookshelf instead of you. Or it looked like the lights were dancing and pulsing in the background. The take was great. You said it exactly the way you wanted it to say it and all of the things and hashtag all the things. And it was amazing. And then you go and you send that video to your editor or you're putting it in your editing software yourself. And now you bring it up on your widescreen monitor only to find out it went in and out of focus. 
And at some point, it just completely lost you and stayed in the background. How many times do you want to do a retake? How many times do you have to afford to do a retake? Not many. That's what I be saying when people get upset <laughs> sometimes. Be like, no, the Fuji is great. No, the Panasonic is good. Okay, it might be for you. And that's A-okay. However, when it comes to the re true reliability of when you really need it, you don't have a team and you don't have a big old thing. You're just taking your camera and you're going and doing what you got to do. That's why I have no problem recommending the ZBE 10. It covers a lot of the basics of what a content creator entrepreneur would need. Now, these cameras that we're talking about today takes it to a whole other level, whole other level, because they're worth the investment with the reliability. I can't quite say that with Panasonic and like, I don't want to keep, and this is the, the real truth here. I don't want to be somebody's experiment of whether or not it's good enough or not. And like, well, we keep working on it. We're going to keep giving you firmware updates. Firmware updates should be to add to the camera to make it better than what the original intent was, in my opinion not to keep making fixes because essentially it feels like the camera's not ready yet, but you putting it out anyway. I don't wanna be somebody's beta tester for a camera and my footage and the time that I have and the events that I have suffers. That's where I'd be coming from when I'm like, I don't, people are like, well, what about the Fuji? What about them? What about them? Great, go for the gold if that's where you at. May the Lord bless you and keep you always. However, I'm not about that life. At some point, at some point, it comes down to what's going to keep frustrating you and what's actually going to solve your problems. Because what happens is, unfortunately, people start getting their perspective shifted based on what I like to call keyboard cowards. People that ain't never bought a camera, ain't never used a camera. They don't have 10,000 hours of sitting in front of a camera or even being behind a camera actually creating content making comments and suggestions or whatever. And I try to get to comments very quickly in my comment section about stuff so I can give the accurate information of what's happening. Now, if somebody's sharing their, their actual experience, go for the gold. I appreciate that. But when somebody's just spitting vitriol consistently about a brand or a camera and they have no creative work, they have nothing to show. They're just running their mouth. It's hard to make up the difference, but all I usually ask is, that's interesting perspective. I'm curious, what, what are you actually shooting with now? How long have you been using it? Oh, well, I ain't got a camera yet, but I've been thinking about getting, so you just run in your mouth. You don't have no, no work to show for what you're doing. And you click on the name and the profile that you think maybe that's the one for their channel or whatever. You go, no videos, no videos on the channel. It's like, so what are you talking about? You create nothing. Running your mouth about <laughs> what's fantastic or not. You have no experience with creating content at all. Not that your opinion isn't worthy of being shared or whatever, but the vitriol that gets spewed, I think, online should cease. It should absolutely cease. We don't need that kind of stuff. We don't need that in this space. Like we're all creators. And those of us that are educators in this space, let us do our job. Go find you some business. Okay, go find you some business someplace and mind it. Let's get into these last two cameras real quick. Um, 
the uh, not Fuji, but the Sony A7 IV. Another fantastic camera that I that I've tested used. It's a fantastic camera. Twenty five hundred dollars. Four K sixty thirty three megapixel sensor up to four K sixty. But that's in an APS-C crop mode. This is a full frame camera, but it drops down to uh, APS-C crop. And it does have the ten bit the new S Cine tone that everybody raved about with the A seven S Mark three and the Sony FX three as well. The 10 frames per second, that's like if you're doing photos, I don't talk about photos, 3.68 EVF, 120 frame, frames per second, Re refresh rate, that's all great and fantastic. Who cares about the photo? We're talking about video. But we come on down, you get the 422 10-bit, you get that in 4K60, you get it at a higher bit rate than previously. However, and it's unlimited recording which is fantastic. Now, what I, found, what I found interesting with this particular camera is that it's great, but at $2,500, it, it wasn't great enough for me to want it like that. It's a hybrid body design, which what I mean by that is you have the PASM dial, PASM dial, or whatever, like you usually would for photography camera, which all of these cameras are hybrid cameras, photo first, and then they start adding the video stuff. But just like, for whatever reason, I just didn't vibe with this camera. I like the ZV-1, ZV-10 body style because it's more video centric. And closer to that is the Sony FX3. But that takes you into the three grand and $3,500 range. So this camera is actually really fantastic. And 4K60, but at an APS-C crop mode, just honestly wasn't worth it for me. Just give me the camera that already is an APS-C 4K60 camera and I was willing to accept that. However, Sony had other things in mind. So over yonder, we had the brand new Sony FX30 at $1798 with a 26 megapixel sensor. I think it's like 24 or 20 that's actually used in the video or what have you. 4K up to 120 frames per second. Um, it is in the FX3 body housing, a 10-bit 422, 16-bit raw output and all the rest. Let's go down to the specs. When it comes to the internal video recording, where'd it go? Okay, interface. Okay, they just, did I, okay, exposure control. I don't know why they changed that, but here we are here. 422, 10-bit, 4K, 60, up, to, and then, no, excuse me, 4K up to 120 frames per second. Of course, you have the 4K60 in there as well, 422 10-bit. You also get, again, for externally, you get the 16-bit RAW in 4K60. Most people have no idea what any of that stuff means, and I say, okay. The thing is, like, if you had a photo, you know how it says JPEG or RAW? If you have it shooting in RAW, what happens is it allows you to adjust the white balance and stuff way more than any kind of color grading and, and the whatnot. And so when you have video in raw, it allows you way more space to change a lot of the things, which is super helpful when you're still trying to figure stuff out or you're testing and trying in different environments and, and the like. It's super duper important. We don't have that right now, but this at an $1,800 package and it does more than what the Sony a7 IV does, the benefit there would be if you're going like a hybrid mode and you're doing photos, even like 50, 60, 70% of the time, you need something that has those video centric modes. This one doesn't, it has more cinema based 
video specific stuff. This for me personally is the perfect camera that I wrote out and I'm like, Sony will never make this camera. I know they won't, but they did. Surprisingly they did. And I'm fantastically happy to be wrong. However, when it comes to deciding what camera should you buy the, the difference between, like I said, between some of the brand new Fuji cameras, which are amazing, which some of the uh, Panasonic cameras, which are amazing. And the Canon new cameras, the R7 and R10, which are amazing. The difference between, in my opinion, those brands, not including Canon, cause they're great, but like Fuji Panasonic is they're still constantly still trying to figure out the number one priority that I think content creating entrepreneurs should have is reliability. If you have a videographer that works for you part-time and you have a set amount of days or something or hours that they come every week or maybe once every two weeks or something like that, they help batch record videos. You send that stuff off to your editor. So all you need to do is prepare, research the content and the like, sit down, record, and you send that stuff off. It's making sure that the camera that you have can survive your ideas present day and what you're doing and future stuff that's coming. Most people don't think beyond just the right now and they figure that'll be good for the next one or two years. But the difference is you're going to keep paying attention to the new releases. You're still subscribed to the camera channels. So you're still getting the updates. You may be on somebody's email list and they're sending out about updates about cameras and the like. So you're constantly feeling like, is this camera good enough? And can it survive what I need it to do? And what most content creating entrepreneurs do is buy based on their excitement instead of buying based off of what you need. Up till now, we've really been dealing with bare bones, basic stuff, hoping, praying, waiting to see which brand is finally going to bring the heat. And now all of these brands finally have with the Sony A1 FX30 that's coming out, A7 IV, the FX3, Fuji X-H2S, X-H2, mind you. Specs-wise, even the X-T3 and the X-T4 by Fuji. You're also looking at, for Panasonic, the S1H, the S5, and a ton of other cameras that they have as well between a micro four thirds, even go all the way back to the Panasonic GH5 that's been doing 4K 60 at 10 bit for the longest time with unlimited recording with all the stuff that anybody would want, except autofocus, reliable autofocus. So when you look at what camera should you buy and you're considering some of the options like that I mentioned today, it really honestly depends on, does it have the reliability that you would need or do you have somebody so you can say it doesn't matter if it focuses well, because I know 95, 96, 97% of the time, I'm going to hand that off to a videographer and let somebody else handle it. I'm not touching it. I'm just buying the gear. Go for the gold. The Fuji X-H2 and even the X-H2S are absolutely fantastic cameras for the price of what they offer. There is some concern with what lenses focus well and the whatnot. So it's something to watch for. But one thing that Fuji's great about is updates. They're constantly updating their camera. It's just a matter of waiting for the updates to come through and, and the like. I'm not willing to sacrifice that. Like I said, I don't want to be a guinea pig. I don't. I want my camera to work straight out the box. The two brands that do that exceptionally well, Canon and Panasonic. Not Panasonic. What am I thinking? Canon and, and Sony. 
Panasonic is great. Freaking fantastic. I love everything of what they do when it comes to the video side of things. Autofocus still suffers tremendously, tremendously bad. It still suffers, unfortunately. Are they constantly updating it? Looking at phase detection? Great. How, how long do you want to wait until they figure that out? How much, how many retakes are you willing to record? How many times are you willing to keep covering whatever important moments with B-roll because the video was out of focus? I've been there. I've done the song and dance with all of those cameras before. It's not worth it. In my opinion, it's not worth it. But to each his own. Okay, whatever floats your boat or finds your lost remote. That's my opinion. So when it comes to what camera should you buy, what's the reliability of it? What's the use case that you're going to have for it? Based on that, what is it? Can it survive your right now ideas? And can it survive the ideas that you're going to have in two, three, four or five years? Something like the Fuji X-H2, I think is a great buy. I think all these cameras are great. Don't get me wrong. It's just that, again, you have to be willing to accept whatever limitations come with the specific cameras. From reliability with autofocus, it could be 80 to 90% there, consistently getting better, and you don't mind. So you go with the Fuji X-H2, happily. Go with the Lumix X5. It's not the same camera that it was two years ago when it first came out. And the price is consistently dropping, which is cool. A bunch of micro four-thirds lenses. I don't think lighting, low-light conversation is anything worth throwing a, a stick at, but... When you look at what these cameras are capable of, they're all fantastic cameras. In my opinion, though, I think you need to make the investment in what's going to, again, survive your right now needs and how you actually are creating today. And then what's going to be able to survive your ideas, your needs and your wants and the kind of stuff that you imagine to do with your content moving forward. If all you're doing is like talking head videos, my Sony a6400 ain't moved since I got the a6600 um, somewhere in 2019 or something. It might have been right at the beginning of 2020. Can't quite remember. But the a6400 ain't moved. It's what you're looking at right now if you're watching a video version of this uh, podcast. It's been the same. I think people forget, like, <laughs> you can pick a camera to do a specific job but make sure it can do the job well. I don't have overheating issues. I don't have a problem with the camera cutting out. I don't have a problem with the autofocus. It stays on. It'd be sometimes the camera's still on and the lights will go off or whatever. And I'm sitting here and I'll look up at the screen and I'm like, just based off the, the light from the monitor, it's sticky. It's like, I can still see the white box following my face. Sony's done nothing but improve it since then. So while the camera that I use to teach from or I use for otherwise, like which recently has been the uh, Sony ZV-E10, which is a freaking fantastic first camera for anybody that's just getting started in video, it handles a lot of the basic needs. It's just that these cameras now are able to allow content creating entrepreneurs to go into that next stage of content creation that where it's not where it's like something, oh, a better camera make your channel explode. You can create on a smartphone. Smartphone's been blowing camera specs out the water for a long time, especially like Samsung phones and stuff. So when you are investing money into this stuff, it just needs to be worth it. What you actually buy kind of don't matter. Just don't let somebody psych you out and say your camera is bad because you can really get any camera made in these last four to five years and they're probably pretty awesome. 
can do more than what you know the camera can do. A lot of people in a place where they just need to get educated about what your camera can do or upgrade your skills, as my friend Luis Vega would say. So I'll, I'll round off the conversation with this and we'll go into some Q&A or whatever's in the chat um, and whoever is still in the chat. The cameras that we're looking at that's coming out now allows you to invest in something and not passing over the Sony a7S Mark III or the FX3, A1, any of those cameras that's come out, the uh, Canon R3, R5, R5C, no shade to those cameras, but that's like a four to $5,000 conversation. We're not having that conversation today. But at this price point, these are the cameras where you don't have to look at what else is coming out unless you just want to. Some people like upgrading every year and some people don't. Like I said, I've had the same camera since 2019 and it's been a great investment into the business. So whenever I want to sit down and create content or whatever, it is always ready. It always looks right. It never has any issues. The autofocus is always stellar. It doesn't matter what I do or how many times I throw my hands in the air or whatever. It always is there. It's been sometimes where my niece and nephew is sitting behind me and it's like nobody really can see or pays attention to or whatever. But after I'm done with the recording and they're sitting back there or whatever, it's still focusing on me. It knows like I'm the priority or whatever. And then if they walk up, it can grab them in focus and all that. That's not, that stuff is impressive. It's impressive because if I knew I wanted to do a video with the stuff that you already have right now, it's very, very capable. The only thing right now that I'm trying to get you all to understand is that vision cast a little bit. And don't be afraid to invest in what's going to help you move your vision forward using video with better equipment. At some point, you got rid of your first car. At some point, you invested past the putt-putt and you got into a better car. And then you like, but yeah, this is cool for now, but I really want to get that car that I know I won't change for a while. You'd probably pay it off. Keep it. Then if you get something else, it's not because the car that you have isn't great enough or can't do the job, but you just want to upgrade. It's kind of where you most people are at right now with cameras. So it doesn't matter the what you buy. It just matters. Can it survive your ideas currently and serve you well? And then can it survive your future ideas of what you're trying to do so that you're not constantly flipping cameras every year? I think that's kind of ridiculous. So. I'm going to the comment section just real quick just to say what's up. What's up, Dope Law? Good to see you. Glad that you are here. What's up, Gabe? Stream Tornado? Good to see you. Glad that you're here. What's up, Ron? Purpose in. Hey, Queen Diana? Good to see you. Glad that you are here. So I'm going to wrap this up by sufficing to say whatever camera you get is fine. It doesn't matter the brand or whatever. I do think on the main channel, I want to cover some more of these cameras a bit more in depth, but I just can't seem to trust some of these other brands because it's been too many times where it just wasn't worth it when it really mattered. You sit down, you do a take and you like, dang, that was good. And you get up and look back at it on the camera. And you're like, why are you looking at the leaf? I'm right here. Why are you focusing on the leaf? I'm right here. <laughs> it's true. Um, Sebastian, Asking real quick, hey, Miss Gladden, good to see you. Good to see you. Glad that you're here. Um, I like the look of your stream. What's the distance between you and the camera and how far are you away from the back wall? Um, 
right now where I'm at right now is about three, three and a half feet or something like that is usually where I'm at from myself and the lens of the camera. Then behind me is about another four steps or maybe four feet or something like that behind me. But this is actually a really small space. Like it's not big at all. Two people in the room, in the same room will probably bump into each other. So it's just deceptive with the lens. And this is a 35 millimeter F1.8 on the Sony a6400. So it's not cropped in or anything like that. So that's what that is. I'm about three feet, three and a half feet away from the, the camera. And then from behind me is maybe about another four ish feet or something like that. Um, so that's the distance between them. But yeah, so that's where I'm leaving for this week's episode. Hope you all got some value out of it. You're welcome, Sebastian. Hope you all got some value out of this episode. I just think it's like, be careful when you're looking at comment section forums and the like, it can tend to be a bit toxic and it shouldn't be in the creator space. I think we, sh we can be, we can be better. We can do better as a whole. And regardless of to what, what camera that you use, just know that it just needs to survive your ideas. That's all. It just needs to be able to survive your right now ideas and actually serve you instead of being a frustration. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode, but the value doesn't stop there. For more in-depth trainings, courses, and growing your brand using video, join the Video Simplified community at videosimplified.live.